Hi, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Muswell Hill Methodist Church podcast. All through October, we've been looking at Black History Month and learning much from those in our communities with Black heritage. As part of the service led by Deacon Jacqueline Osamajon, we also heard testimony from Theodora talking about her journey of growing up in apartheid South Africa and her experiences after moving to the UK. If you are interested in hearing more from us, please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when we upload our next episodes. Let's now listen to what Theo had to share. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Theodora Nondobeko. Mashanza, married to Mr. Mani, hence Mrs. Mani, but divorced him, and married Dr. Mdinge. Now I'm Mrs. Mdinge. I was actually born at the beginning of the World War II. Born to very strict, very staunch Methodists mother and father in the community where I lived, everybody was, you had to go to church. But I'm not going to talk about my church life. That would be rather boring. I'm going to talk about my professional life. How it was when you were a black South African in South Africa. I'm actually going to say right now how I wish we didn't have the black governments that we've had in South Africa. It's so sad that I'm saying it. That when we were free in 1994, South Africa went down to the drains. That's where we are now. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not a politician. I'm just going to talk about me. Though I'm talking about me, I'm actually talking about women in South Africa, more especially at my time, not the time of Bella. Bella was born only yesterday when, <laughs> when Africa was free. I'm talking about South Africa or, you know, indeed Zimbabwe, which was Rhodesia at the time. I was born in a village, and this village were actually about eight miles to the next city, which was called Butterworth. When I say city, I'm talking about a very small, maybe we had one street, one post office. The one thing I I was thinking that, do you know, I've never seen a police station in those times, but now I'm sure there are about hundreds of them. Uh, I went to a school we were segregated in South Africa. There were always black schools, black hospitals, black churches, black what, white this and white and that. When you even went to the butcher, there was a site for black people to buy meat and there was a site for white people. That is where I, I came from. So all the food that the white people, the meat or everything, whatever it was, when the white people didn't want it, oh, we gladly had it. But that was my life. Amazingly, 
personally, I mean, the, the, at, at that time, we didn't complain. We were not politically, you know, motivated or something. We loved. I loved my village. I still love my village. I don't care about double-story houses, swimming pools, uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town, whatever. I love my village. We breathe fresh air. We slaughtered our own cows, our own sheep, our own chickens. We, we grew our own vegetables, all that. When we went to school, I never had a pair of shoes until I was about 12 years of age. And that didn't bother me. We walked barefooted. We didn't have snow, but we had frost. We walked barefooted in the frost, among the stones, everything. That didn't bother us. We were just black South Africans. It was our place. Then I, fortunately, I was lucky enough because my father had fields and we had a lot of cows and cattle and we grew tobacco and maize and beans and pumpkins which we sell, sold to the white man. And the white man gave us some money. So I managed to go to a, like a privileged uh, black school called Hilltown, which was a Methodist uh, institution. There were other Anglicans, like Lovedale. If you went to Lovedale, Anglicans went to Lovedale, I went to Hilltown because it was a Methodist. I, all that, as I'm saying, we had white teachers. That's why I can speak English so well. <laughs> we had white uh, English teachers there. And then from there, as a girl, if, you, if your parents had money, you'd proceed, after you've done your education, you'd proceed to a university which was Fort, Fort A. But we, I, my parents didn't have money. So girls would either go to teaching or to go to nursing. And I went to nursing in Port Elizabeth. It was, a, as I say, a black hospital. If you were a black person, woe unto you if you had a cardiac arrest near a white hospital because you were not going to be admitted. But amazingly, if you were a white person having a cardiac a heart attack or cardiac arrest near a black hospital, all black people were evacuated to make room for the white one person who is having a heart attack. Not that black people will never touch a white person. I'm coming to that. So anyway, uh, I did my nursing, completed my nursing. I did my midwifery after you, you, you train your state general. You do your meet with free. It was like a compulsory. It was a production from state registered nurse. You automatically went to do meet with free. I did my meet with free. It was when I was in doing my meet with free in the, in the labor wards when we delivered babies. And the babies, there about maybe about 50 babies we delivered the night, on the, during the night. And they were crying. And I was. I, that's when I discovered my love for children. I could not bear for those children to cry. 
Those times I was, I, had, I was breastfeeding my own children. As you can see my breasts, I had loads of milk. <laughs> so I would then take one baby and breastfeed. That was normal then, not now. That was normal. So we breastfed the babies that were crying. And then I thought, no, I think I want to be a pediatric nurse. That's when I went for my pediatric training and I was a pediatric nurse. Subsequently, I was in charge of a pediatric hospital. Now, my hospital in Livingstone Hospital, then, if you go to Port Elizabeth, it was, it was, it was a nice hospital. You know, the white people then, I must, that's why I say, if you now, I wish maybe 1994 hadn't really come. Because that hospital, which when I came to this country, I looked at the hospitals here, I said, my God, I'm in England, and this, this is the type of hospitals they have. The equipment they had were so advanced in South Africa at the time. But if you go now, there's hardly a paracetamol in a hospital. So, I mean, I came here, we're advanced, the hospital advanced. So I come here to the UK, I'm full of beans, and then I come here, what's all this? God, these people are still using a thermometer to take a temperature. We had gone far away. I could at the time, because I was in charge of the whole pediatric block, which had seven floors, and I was the boss. And I could actually, I put up drips because you can imagine gastroenteritis, kwashioko, things that when I was doing pediatrics, because the, the books we were using were, were the books that everybody in the UK lived, but there was no kwashioko. You looked here now, if you look, there's no kwashioko. People don't know what kwashioko is. <laughs> Malnutrition, dehydration, vomiting, diarrhea, cholera, everything. So we did all that. We put up drips. When I came to the UK, I had to check a parasamol with a second check. Oh my God, where have these people been? Anyway, when then I was in, when, the reason why I left South Africa, we used to have a lot of meningomyelocils, spina bifidas, a cleft pilate, hair lips, all the, some of the things that are actually on television right now. And there'll be two, with me and my consultants, they decided to send me to go to Stoke Mandeville Hospital, where there was a plastic surgery unit. And I was to go and learn how to care for the children post-surgery with all these things that I've mentioned. So I was in Stoke Mandeville. Guess what? I never went back to South Africa. Because I had left my three children with my mother. And I was sending money home, and, and, and I had to live here, buy my groceries, pay my, I used to live in the nurse's home. Then I decided that, no, I think the life for myself, for my mother and my father and my children, I'm better off here salary-wise. So I then told my consultants after two years that I'm so sorry, I'm not coming back. I'm still here. Then I was in Stoke Mandeville, but it was a, 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 an adult unit, and I'm a pediatrician. So I decided I wanted to go and work in a pediatric ward. But before I did that, I was interested in, in kidney diseases. 
So I went to Hammersmith Hospital and I did the renal course there, which was called ENB136. It was while I was there that I decided, because it was an adult unit, I wanted to go and do pediatrics. I went to Guy's Hospital. I was in Guy's Hospital in the nephro-urology ward for 14 years. I managed that ward. And then I came, I went to Greater Mount Street. I was a lecturer in Greater Mount Street until I retired at the age of 70. Now, now, the funny bits are, when you are black, guys, when you are black, it's, it, I don't know why God gave us black skins. <laughs> because if I can tell you the sad things I have encountered by just the color of my skin, even in the UK. In South Africa, it was fine. Uh, uh, the, the, the Africaners, they hated me. And I hated them. That was it. <laughs> so if I met a, a, a African person, you know that you know we, we there was no hello, no good morning. But when you come to the UK, the English people, they are so nice. They they are, they, they they appear to to love you, to like you. They are sweet. They talk to you nicely, and you think, oh my God, these people love me. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to be here for, uh, for some time, I'll leave you, because if I were to talk about things like that, we would still be here at 6 o'clock. <laughs> when I was in these hospitals, of, of course, when you got to my position, you wear a different dress from a staff nurse or a student nurse. But that didn't matter. As I was wearing this blue dress or a navy dress, a consultant would come. Actually, I had actually sent the referral letter to that consultant to come and, and look at my child in my unit. And the consultant comes, he passes me, he sees me here. I'm wearing a blue dress. Everybody in this hospital who is a, a, a sister or a manager is wearing the same dress I'm wearing. He goes past and goes to a student nurse to ask the student nurse, oh, I'm, I'm Misty so-and-so. I've come to uh, blah, blah, blah. And the student has just looks at him because the student has no idea. And I'm looking at the consultant. And then, oh, sister. He, he I said, oh, oh, you see me now. You, you walk past me. You didn't see me. Because he saw my skin. One time, I mean, so many instances I can tell you. I applied. I, I taught nurses. In, in these hospitals. But when it came to, to, to promotion, I was overlooked. And how hard it was for me to, to work under a student which I had trained. She's now the ward sister. After eight years, I'm still the staff nurse. Or I'm still, I was a sister then. I'm a, the reason why I got a sister, my professor Cyril Chandler, said, Cyril Professor Chandler, he actually took money from the budget of the medical school in Guy's Hospital to fund me to be a ward sister because the nursing hierarchy didn't see me that I could manage a ward. I managed wards. I did everything else. But when it comes to promotion, oh, they, they, oh, Theo, oh, Theo, oh, Theo, oh, Theo, but 
comes promotion, I was overlooked. Oh no, Theo, your time will come, your time will come. I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about us black people. Maybe, I don't know, if Wagner maybe didn't come across that kind of thing, I don't know. But it was, it was our story. But I, do you know when I went to, when I, when I, when I came to this country, I was in Stokwandiv Hospital. I have never ever touched a black, a white person in my life. And here I was in a ward full of white people. I did not know what I was supposed to do. To touch them, to wash them, I was scared. Then they were in pain, some of them. They needed me to give them some medicine. But I, first of all, I did not know white people experience a pain the way white black people experienced a pain. Because I knew what to do when a black person is in pain, but I did not know what to do when a white person was in pain. I wrote to my mother, those times we, there, was no, there were no phones or something like that. A letter took about eight days to get to South Africa and another maybe nine days to come back to me. I asked my mother, I said, Mom, I'm confused. Where I'm working, Mom, they're all white people. They need my help, but I can't. I have no compassion for them. I don't feel anything for them. I know I'm supposed, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I look at them. They want my help. For, because I was now about maybe almost 40 years of age. I said, now for 38 years, I never touched a white person before. Now I'm supposed to touch a white person. I'm supposed to give a medicine. Mm -hmm. My mom said to me, my child, they are all children of God. After I received my mother's letter, I then looked at white people as normal people because I didn't think they were. <laughs> so it's the life of a black person. Um, it's, this is just not my life. I'm talking about our lives as black people in South Africa, in here. But I bleed for South Africa because after 1994, we became free. But I'm not sure. Free from what? Because we are now in bondage with black governments all over Africa, in fact. But I'm talking about my own country. I don't want to talk about Ghana. But I can talk about Zimbabwe because we are, we, we, I know about Zimbabwe and they know about me. So we, uh, it's, it's awful. It's terrible what is happening in our countries. But by the grace of God, things may, maybe one day will be okay. We pray that God, things will be okay. Hearing Theo's testimony gave us a lot to think about, and we hope that you also gain something by listening to it with us. We'll be speaking to more of our community members as we continue to explore Black History Month, so check back if you'd like to hear more. If you're interested in being a part of what we do, whether it's worship or our work in the local community, please check out our social media, where you can learn more about us and get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, God bless you.